Well, good morning, everyone. Sounds like we got this loud enough. A little late getting started this morning. I had to run the preacher down to get our remote for our PowerPoint, but now that we have that, uh, we're ready to go. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us for our Bible class this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about knowledge. Uh, As you might recall, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about the building blocks to help increase our faith. And a part of that is knowledge. So we'll be talking about the building blocks of faith, and that will be through knowledge. We'll talk a little bit about how the importance of knowledge plays into our faith. Uh, and how we attain that knowledge. And those are some of the things that we'll be looking at. Uh, there's actually 162 references in the Bible to knowledge. So we see the importance, and it's apparently very important in our walk, is in, as our, in our faith uh, as Christians. Let's read, if we will, Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we look at this, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. So if we do that, it says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective, as we see in the rest of those verses there. Also, you'll see the word blind in some of the uh, translations, the qualities that are so nearsighted that he is blind. And often that is referenced to actually close their eyes to the truth or maybe not seeing because they're not looking to the truth. So Second Peter chapter 1, 5 through 11, Second Peter is in an intense and passionate farewell speech. And he's addressed that to the churches that he spoke to in First Peter. So Peter is challenging Jesus' followers to continue growing in their faith in their love, and in their service to God, and to be ready for Jesus' return. So as we look at what lessons, what do we learn from 2 Peter? Well, first of all, 2 Peter, in his second letter, Peter's second letter is a simple one, and that is that we're to pursue spiritual maturity through God's Word as a remedy for false teaching. So he's addressing false teaching and addressing preparing uh, to be able to address false teaching in, in, uh, in, in light of Christ's promise and his second coming. So as we look at virtue for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. That's Second Peter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5. So virtue is defined as a behavior showing high moral standards. 
what might be some other words that might be uh, similar to virtue? Maybe morality or integrity, honesty, goodness, character, righteousness, honor, ethics. So if we supplement our faith with these qualities and then seek and gain knowledge, we are developing the building blocks that we need for true faith. And, and I think, you know, most Christians during their walk will actually struggle at times with faith. So you'll see the importance of building these blocks so that we prepare and strengthen our, our faith. So virtue is viewed as a habitual capacity of a person to respond freely and consciously to situations in a manner that reflects and intensifies their conformity to Jesus Christ. So there are three theological, theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. And faith is the virtue that enables us to believe in Jesus Christ and God and what he's revealed to us uh, as truth because God is truth. So let's talk a little bit about why is knowledge important to our faith? Why would it be important to our faith to have knowledge? That's right. So we can share and teach. That's that's a very good reason. Uh, We're to pursue our spiritual maturity through the Word of God as a remedy for false teaching and a right response to those that uh, maybe are not familiar uh, so that we can teach. Uh, Those are all things that are important for us to have knowledge. It also helps us grow in our faith. Knowledge helps us grow in our faith as we continue to study God's Word. Philippians 3, uh, verses 8 through 11, Paul's focus shifted from God, from self, and all personal accomplishments following his knowledge of Jesus Christ. So really, what we know about God from the Scriptures will determine our expression of faith to him. So what does the Bible say about us growing in knowledge? Uh, but we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's Second Peter 3.18. So whether we realize it or not, growing in understanding of God starts out as an intellectual pursuit. We must engage our minds because this is where we process information that helps us understand God's Word. So we have to pursue this knowledge. And then we also need to be, affair, uh, be aware of, of what lack of knowledge can do for us as well. My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest. Because you've ignored the law of God, I will also ignore your children. Uh, Hosea 4, verses 6. We also see what happens with the lack of knowledge. This verse is warning us that if we don't seek knowledge and understanding, we'll suffer the consequences. So we need to be diligent in pursuing knowledge so that we can understand God's will for our lives. And so to gain that understanding, one has to be most knowledgeable and and have wisdom first. And then we have to put them into action. So he who has, he has to know and make a choice, or we have to know and make a choice, and then practice that choice that we have made. And without practicing and executing our knowledge and our wisdom, then we cannot truly understand and realize what God's will is for us as well. So, can God give us knowledge? 
Ecclesiastes 2.26 says, For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. So God will give us wisdom and knowledge, but we do have to seek that. So who asks for God, who asks God for knowledge in the Bible? And as we're very well aware of one of the stories was Solomon. And one of his wisest moments came when God appeared to him in the night and asked, What shall I give you? Second Chronicles 1 7. And the wisest request that Solomon ever made was the request that he made for wisdom from God. So you see, Solomon wasn't born a wise man. He prayed for wisdom. And God said, because you have asked this and have not asked for a long life or riches or life, uh, the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, now I do according uh, to your word. So wisdom is the most important gift that we're given by God and was given to Solomon. And uh, Solomon called to God uh, because he needed that wisdom. He was a young man at that age, and he was needing that wisdom. And he knew that he needed help in knowing how to be a good king and how to take care of his kingdom. So he recognized that need for wisdom. And King Solomon of the Old Testament was synonymous with wisdom. So the passage shows that he was praying and he was asking for it. And we also note that he asked for knowledge, and God gave him both knowledge and wisdom. So this is a great example of praying for knowledge and how it worked for Solomon. And, of course, we know the story is Solomon as king. When First uh, Kings chapter th- uh, 3, verses 16 through 28, when the two prostitutes came to Solomon and said, uh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and we each gave birth to a son uh, last week. And one night while she was asleep, she rode over and, and killed her son. And, uh, and she actually took my son and swapped out the babies. And, you know, you, you think about Solomon's response to that. I mean, I could just imagine being faced with that scenario and trying to decide what to do and who was the right mother of this baby and, and what happened. And then, you know, so uh, as we're all familiar with, uh, the story said, so the king said, you both say the living child is yours. I'll settle this matter. Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king, and he said, Divide the living child in two and give half to the one woman and half to the other. But the woman whose son was alive yearned for her son and said, No, my lord, give her the child, by no means slay it. And the other said, It shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide it. And then the king said, Give the living child to the first woman. She is his mother. The story concludes with this observation in all of Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they stood in awe at the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to to render this justice. That's uh, pretty amazing to me. So there's no biblical command to tell Solomon what to do in this particular situation. So wisdom must go beyond our knowing what to do and just knowing the word of God Wisdom also must include a sensitive nature of judgment, a discernment on how uh, God would want something to be handled. And the circumstances may not always be dealt with in the Bible. 
Uh, so, you know, you think about the role of our elders and many times how judgment and wisdom comes into their uh, their uh, roles uh, when it deals with issues that are outside of the scripture but has to do with the, the work of the church here. So let's talk a little bit about what the main source of knowledge is in Christianity and, of course, we know the Bible is the source of all knowledge. Proverbs 2, six. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, that the pursuit of knowledge is not easy, but it's worth it. Because the passage states, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from this mouth come knowledge and understanding. So if we seek, we have to seek that knowledge, and it takes work. Uh, but we have to seek the, the knowledge that the Lord provides for us and if we will seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures, well, then that will give us the knowledge and wisdom uh, that we desire. And this passage continues and encourages us to actively seek that knowledge as we would search for those hidden treasures. Proverbs 2, 6, uh, 2, 6 through 8 also provides reasons for those who follow God, those that pursue his wisdom to be confident in the face of adversary. Uh, adversity. Uh, these verses speak of God provide knowledge and wisdom and understanding, and they refer to God as a shield and a guard and one who watches over those who exhibit integrity. So is faith based on knowledge? Well, faith never comes before knowledge, but it's instead a commitment to knowledge. And we see that in Romans ten seventeen that faith comes after men have knowledge of the word of God. For biblical faith, there, where there's no word, there can be no faith. And where there can be no evidence, there can be no faith. Where there is no evidence, there can be no faith. So we have to have knowledge to build our faith. So if we're lacking in knowledge, uh, lacking in our faith, well, then we need to go seek more knowledge of God's Word to help us and build that faith. Matthew seven twenty four says, Anyone, therefore, who hears the words of mine and does them, I will, I will like them, uh, him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. So we know the story there, the parable of building the house on the rock, and that's building our home or building our Christianity on a firm foundation. So as we look at uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 8, so we'll talk a little bit about what is wisdom and what's the difference between wisdom and knowledge. What is the difference between wisdom and knowledge? Okay, excellent. So knowledge is knowing and wisdom is knowing how to use it. That's exactly right. So, the dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to discern and judge what is true, right, or lasting, 
Knowledge, is, on the other hand, is information gained through experience, reasoning, or acquaintance. So knowledge can exist without wisdom, can it? You probably have all seen, you know, some very educated people that don't show wisdom in on certain cases. So that can be the case. So one can be knowledgeable without being wise. So the primary difference between the two words is that wisdom involves a healthy dose of perspective and the ability to make sound judgments about a subject, while knowledge is simply knowing. So anyone can become knowledgeable about a subject by reading or researching or memorizing facts. Wisdom and knowledge, both are recurring themes that we'll see throughout the Bible and are related and are not synonymous. Knowledge is knowing how to use a gun. Wisdom is knowing when to use it and when to keep it holstered. So I think that would be an example there. That was the first bell, I believe. Okay, thank you. So we've got just another couple minutes here. So Proverbs uh, 1.7, the Bible puts a lot of emphasis on knowledge and wisdom, teaches us the importance of gaining knowledge and our spiritual growth for living a life that's pleasing to God. And uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, while fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there are a couple of uh, biblical instructions on how to get wisdom. First of all, fear God. God. Solomon says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But we also have to desire wisdom. If we're going to commit ourselves to, to studying and gaining knowledge, we have to desire wisdom. And we have to pray for it. Solomon prayed for it. And that would be a good example for us as well to wisdom and also to study God's Word. The Bible teaches us that knowledge is essential for our growth, for living a fulfilling life. So we must actively seek knowledge and understand, and we must have a reverence for God in order to gain true wisdom. And as we grow in knowledge, we can walk in a manner that's pleasing to God and bear fruits for the work that we have. So in summary, uh, in summary, a couple things. First of all, uh, again, desire wisdom. Uh, so we must first of all desire wisdom. Secondly, you know, we must apply ourselves. We must study. Uh, we must uh, commit ourselves to trying to learn more so we can gain wisdom. We also need to pray for wisdom. That's an important. And then fourth, we also must, uh, uh, the fourth biblical instruction, I thought this was interesting for how to get wisdom, is to think frequently of our death. And uh, to put it another way, think about the shortness of our life and how we should commit ourselves to study and understanding God's Word. So uh, I hope we'll all work hard at committing ourselves to learning more and to work to gain knowledge. So it's important for us as a, a church of, of God's people here to have the knowledge, uh, to make sure that we remain a sound congregation, that we have our faith, we have wisdom, understand we can be Christians and at the end spend all eternity with Christ in heaven. Thank you for your time this morning.